This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. Want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. We also want to let you know that we are free and available wherever you download your podcast and wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you leave us a five star review. We really appreciate you for that in advance. Now, guys, we're kind of a big deal now. We're on Roku and Amazon Fire. You know, so if you get tired of watching us on a small your mobile device or your laptop go ahead and put us on the big screen because locked on sports atlanta is right there for you just another avenue to get some of this greatness each and every day now t the uh braves are sitting around chilling waiting for uh their opponent uh for the divisional series but i think that it is something that needs to be discussed as far as how did they get here we'll talk about that and Kyle Pitts hasn't played. We know that Cordero Patterson is not going to be uh, – he's not going to be on with, this, with the team for the next – at least the next four weeks. What does that look like for the Falcons against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And last but not least, and for the culture, we all know how the issues that NHL has had with diversity and just how they handled it and how they deal with it. We'll have a, a nice discussion about that and for the culture. But first, T, we have to talk about the Atlanta Braves. As, as I mentioned – that they are waiting to uh, the winner of the Philadelphia Cardinals series. And looking back into the, the 22-2 season, now, there were a couple of things that really stood out. One thing, one of them was that the Braves were 10 and a half games back in the NL East yeah. on June 1st. Oh, my goodness. So, so I started thinking about, like, all right, like, who was that person or what happened to actually help get this Braves to this point? And I think that the first thing that comes to mind for me has to be Michael Harris, T. No question about it. I literally said in my head, and the answer is Michael Harris II. <laughs> yes. Now, listen, we, we can talk about this ad nauseum and we can debate it because arguably, and Jarvis and I will actually circle back to this early next week. So you guys drop some comments on us and let us know who you think the MVP for the Braves is this season. But Michael Harris II can definitely be in that conversation because for sure they don't get here without Michael Harris II June right. 1st. But I'm going to give an honorable mention to the entire Troublemakers crew because you also don't get there without what yeah. Spencer Strider was able to do. And yes. then, of course, Vaughn Grissom kind of, kind of bringing up the, the rear later on. So, wow. Once again, we say that the Braves are in perfect position and in such good shape because of their young guns. But I agree with you. I believe it starts and stops with MH2. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and then Spencer Strider, to add to that, just for a guy to just solidify that fifth starting role, because we know all of the issues the Braves had early on doing that, you know, and for him to come in and solidify that bad boy and also uh, get 200 strikeouts, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that is absolutely ridiculous. Like, and, and be in the conversations with, the guy who I believe is one of the best pitchers that I saw growing up outside of the, the big three for the and the Braves and Randy Johnson, the big unit. We even made comparisons of, of him. You know, obviously he's right-handed, but just what the effect that he had on the game and the style that he pitched with, I think that that was something that, you know, that was definitely a good comparison just from a dude just get on the mound and just strike people out. Yeah. And I just think I just absolutely love what Spencer Strider has done. Now, I think one of the things that, 
we also have to kind of pay attention to and keep an eye on as we get ready to, you know, we move along in this sports season. You know, the Hawks, you know, they played a preseason game last night. And T, I don't know about you, but looking at this backcourt with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, and we got a chance to see Aaron Holiday as well out there making plays. Like, what were your thoughts, your first thoughts when you saw the, that, that, that new look Hawks team uh, come across your screen? Yeah, a couple of the same comments and same thought processes. When I looked at the stat line, for sure it was exciting because, yes, you had six Hawks in double figures, four of whom were starters. But like you said, it was always about going down the roster with the Hawks because the bench mob was really what helped the Hawks battle their way back into the postseason last season. So, yeah, I was absolutely excited to see what Aaron Holiday was able to do yesterday. And also looking at the stat line and seeing so many players close to double doubles. So, right. of course, when I look at DeJounte Murray with a 25-9-7 stat line, all he is on nine <laughs> and then you look at uh, what DeAndre Hunter was able to do, a 17-7 night, that's really what I want to look at when I dig down in and take taking nothing away from Trey Young and his 22 right. points, three assists, a couple rebounds himself. But that is what I want to see because what that indicates to me is that everybody is going to be functioning on a high level and the keys to success are always whenever one or two players on your team are leading the charge and making everybody around them better and finding ways to get everybody involved. And that may be one of the biggest takeaways that actually isn't necessarily easily seen on a stat line that we were able to take away from what DJ and Trey did on yesterday. I mean, because the thing coming into this season, right, it was just let give Trey some help, right, when it comes to or, organizing the offense and getting right. into the flow in the pick and roll and everything like that. And we saw that. That was the thing that's going to help Trey sustain himself through the season. I know he, you know he plays a lot of games, and you're not necessarily worried about him being available each night in and night out in, in an 82-game season. I get that, but you're talking about just from being fresh and being yes. ready to roll when it's crunch time in the fourth quarter. I think that that issue has been solved because DeJounte Murray with the pick and roll with John Collins, I love what I saw with that. And I, and I think that one more thing that that didn't necessarily have to do with the game team, mm -hmm. but I think it's, it definitely deserves to be talked about. And, I, and I'm sure you, you, know, you know about it when it came to media days. Nate McMillan you know, took it upon himself to go out and kick it with, with Trey. Not kick it, but, you know, have vacation and all that stuff. But he, he went and spent some time with his point guard because I think that, you know, it was very, very telling as far as Nate McMillan growth as a head coach because there were some, some things and rumblings about players, you know, relationships with him when he was a head coach for the um, Indianapolis Pacers. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are some of the things that he's trying to correct now because he knows that he has to establish a relationship yeah. with his star point guard. And for him to go out there and show Trey, hey, here's how you, what you need to do as far as being off playing off ball. And this is something that you're going to be able to kill offenses with. Like offense is going to be aggravated trying to guard you. And you saw that last night in the game where he was playing off the ball. And I was like, dang, somebody running pick and roll with Trey without the ball in his hands? What is this? Like, this is refreshing. And, after, and for, that, for them to put those two things together, Trey playing off the ball and not have to orchestrate everything for right. four quarters, and Nate McMillan taking it upon himself to build that relationship with Trey, that's a recipe for success for me. And I think that the, the Hawks may be closer to that the Eastern Conference Finals team than that team that we saw last year that got bounced out of the first round of playoffs against the Miami Heat. 
Agreed. And just a few caveats to what you said, it's not building the relationship, it's more evolving it. Because Nate McMillan has actually yes, done this before. When right. we spoke to him in the opening press conference, when he was given the official title of head coach mm -hmm. last season, he talked about watching different movies with Trey and kind of made some analogies to uh, movies of old and movies of new and said that's what really helped him to kind of understand the new mindset of this millennial uh, basketball player, if you will. Right. So yeah, yeah, he kind of started that process, but I think what he did was ratchet that up this season yeah. and also did the mm -hmm. same with DJ. And what I loved about it as well is like you said, you could watch the interchangeability of Trey and DJ. And that's something that when Nate is having those interactions off the court, away from the basketball game with his players, that's what kind of helps them to improve, not just their collaboration, but also for them to even further buy into what Nate is saying. But for Nate to also respect the player's vantage point and really bring something together. So I chuckled because I talked to Nate about that last week. I also talked to Landry Fields and Landry said, and I thought about it last night, he said, hey, give him some time. The opportunity is there, but give him some time to gel. And I'm thinking, hmm, they don't need time from what I saw yesterday, especially because they already had the Bucks number last season. So I'm encouraged about what we've seen just in this preseason game alone. I'm encouraged by, you know, maybe going to betonline.net to because guess what? I'm around to see what that over-under is for the Hawks. Uh, <laughs> win, win total. And I'm trying to see what, what's going on with those odds is for the Hawks to get to the Eastern Conference Finals or even to the Ooh. Finals because I'm excited. I'm amped up. I'm ready to go. I, I, I got to do my research because, you know, bet online is the fastest, easiest way to check in all of your betting needs, just like I mm -hmm. mentioned. I, got, I told you my needs. Bet online <laughs> has that for me. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And if you're not into, you know, the NBA or the NFL, they have ancillary sports as well. So go to you can check out combat sports, esports, and even golf. It is the top online source for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, even podcasts. You listen to us and check us out to get information about what's going on in Atlanta sports. Go to betonline.net to do the same for your sports wagering needs. Because guess what, y'all? Bet online is where the game starts. So it is week five for the Falcons. They are heading into Tampa. Get this, with the possibility of taking sole possession of the NFC South. Again, Jarvis, you, I, and probably the rest of the world. Dirty <laughs> yes. Bird Nation was like, what? We got an opportunity to do this. Say what? It's been great. It's been so crazy because I saw a stat that said it's been 1,700 days, Jarvis, since the Falcons have been above 500. They also have the chance to do that this weekend. But if they do, they'll have to do it definitely without Cordero Patterson, because of course he's on IR, having had a surgical procedure to deal with that knee injury he's been kind of working through. And we found out that after a couple of days of Kyle Pitts not going to practice dealing with a knee injury, he may be up in the air for playing on Sunday. So to me, I'm thinking about it to myself and I'm like, whoa, granted, this team has definitely been dominated with the ground game, that's where they've been most effective. But on the same token, we've all been waiting for KP to have that breakout game. So I was really thinking like, hmm, I wonder which one of these players is going to be missed the most and which one of these players has Dave Ragone or and or Arthur Smith really had to game play for or game plan for a little bit better should he or will he be out come Sunday? You know what? To be honest with you, I think that Kyle Pitts is gonna you know, a guy you're gonna have to miss the most, right? Because he's the guy that you know is the 
the unicorn, you know, because Cordell Patterson, there we know exactly who his replacement is going to be, and we mm-hmm. got a chance to see those guys last week and Tyler Edgier and Avery Williams and, and um, yep. you know what I'm saying? So you know, you understand, and I mean, and Caleb Hunter as well, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And so you know what those guys can bring to the table because, hey, they live, they got live action last week, and they did really well. They did a good job mm-hmm. of, of filling in. But when we talk about the mismatch, the unicorn, Kyle Pitts and what he brings to the table, and I know a lot of people saying, well, coach ain't using them anyway, so why would that be a big deal? Here's why. Because, like, when it comes to recognize, reading and recognizing the, the personnel that's in the Falcons um, huddle, because mm-hmm. a lot of defense coordinators call plays accordingly, right? They call sure. plays according to that to see what, what personnel that's out on the field and they and try to figure out what, you know, what, whether it's run or pass or, or what they're likely to do with that, mm-hmm. those guys on the field. Like, that's kind of hard to do when you got a guy, we know he's listed as a tight end, but we know that guy can line up in the slot. He can line up on the, at the X and, and the Z, you know, like where he can line up anywhere on the field. And mm-hmm. he's been lined up in the backfield on, on some instances. So yes, yes. that's the, that's the, that element, that element of surprise or, or that extra guess that the, that the defense has to take when they have Kyle Pistons on the field. That's what you're going to miss if he isn't to play. And I think that's going to be a big deal when it comes to Arthur Smith scheme and what he's trying to do or trying to accomplish when, when it comes to trying to uh, defeat the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And also, Algier, Huntley, and Williams can cover for CP. No yes. KP, a little bit harder to cover for Marcus Mariota. And what no I mean by that is this. The Bucks are going to be prepared for stopping the run. They're actually dead on in terms of their statistically, they're number seven against the pass, they're number seven against the run. So you're going to get it from either direction when it comes to the Bucks. However, Todd Bowles is known for Blitzkrieg. That's what he does. And so if you're looking at somebody who's all about the Blitz and they're going to be coming after Mariota fast and furious, he needs to be able to get rid of the ball and get rid of the ball however he can to somebody who can just he just throw it up and let that person catch it. And granted, you do have that in Drake London, but without KP, you miss two options. And let's just be honest, once you kind of get past Drake London and you kind of get past KP, then it kind of gets a little thin in the receiver tight end room, especially yeah. because you're looking at the tight end room as, let's be honest, if it's not KP, they really are more blocking tight ends than yes. they are catching tight ends so i agree with you i think kp is where you miss the most and i imagine that at some point you're kind of looking at a bucks team as well that has struggled with unicorn type tight ends that's where they are they struggle the most so it would have been a great opportunity and could still be if kp is a go but i agree with you if he's not a go that's probably where the falcons offense is going to miss most and then you think about this as well speaking of number one at some point the QB just cannot be the game manager. At some point, he will be asked to make a play. We saw that Thursday night, did we not? Yes, Lord. Everybody was looking. Is Matt Ryan going to make a play? Is Russell Wilson going to make a play? Who's going to make a play? So at some point, the quarterback has to make a play, or even in the game where the Packers were able to get by the Bucks, it was Aaron Rodgers who really made the difference. Is Marcus Mariota prepared for that type of challenge, especially with what I just mentioned, with how Todd Bowles schemes for quarterbacks, I I, I I'll say I I know people are probably surprised by what I'm about to say. 
You clearly yes. are struggling with your yes. body. Yes, yes, it's a struggle. Video. Yeah, because he struggled. So yeah, of course right. I struggle with trying to, you know, make sure I'm being objective when I talk about this dude because you know a lot of people just really like Marcus Mariota for a lot of, and, and I get it. He's a really good guy, and I'll you know. Sit my waffle house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jerry. Yes, I love it. Oh, okay. but, but here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Marcus Mariota is able to play a clean game, yeah, yes, I believe he will be able to make a play. Not, 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 not carry the team, not carry this offense. Right. He will be able to make one or two, or maybe two to three necessary mm-hmm. plays in order to sustain drives to be able to get them in the end zone. Because I think that you know there is a, a little, a little room. And I know you said that they're your top ten in both categories, right? But they are giving up four six. 4.6 yards a pop in the running game. So I mm-hmm. think that that's where that's the end right right there for Arthur Smith and, and company. So, but Marcus Mariota has to play a clean game in order for us to even have this conversation about him making plays in order for him to, them to get a win and take over this NFC South division and, yeah. and, sit, and sit at the top of it and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we are. You yeah. guys counted us out. 45th ranked in out of 32 teams. That still makes me laugh every time I watch that clip of Arthur Smith talk about it after the game. But I think that, you know, it, it is it's definitely something that, you know, we definitely have to keep an eye on because, you know, like I, I, a seven-year veteran, you know, guy who's been in the NFL for this long, like mm-hmm. certain things you just aren't supposed to see. And I think that, you know, he has to get those things cleaned up. And yeah. then that's when we start talking about conversations about making plays. And if because Arthur Smith, I don't believe Arthur Smith is going to put Marcus Mariota in a situation where he feels like he can't make a mistake. It's right. just about the mental things for Marcus Mariota and making sure he's getting those right. And then I think that this offense will be okay. And hopefully, the mindset of his offensive line, who've really given him every opportunity to succeed this yep. season, hopefully, their mindset will kind of rub off on him because when we think about what we've seen from them the last couple of years, when is the last time we've said that we would take Atlanta's offensive line and believe that they can actually battle and win in the trenches, even when they're facing a top 10 defense? We have not said that in a very long time. So if Mariota can make those two or three key plays that keeps drives alive and possibly puts the Falcons in position to win, I would venture to say you and I Monday will be talking about yet another stellar performance from the offensive line. Now, interestingly enough, the Falcons are in the conversation to take sole possession of the lead. The Bucks were always the team that everybody thought was going to be in the conversation the entire like season. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and most of the season would be in sole possession of first place. Not so much. So I believe that with that in mind, and with most people having absolutely no expectations of the Falcons, pressure's on the Bucks to win this game. Oh, it has to be. Like, especially coming off of the air they took that. That nice whooping they took. Excuse me, my bad. For, uh, sorry for that Freudian slip. Um, that whooping they took from the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that you know the one thing that really stood out to me in that game is that Patrick Mahomes was just out there just doing his doggone things. He's just being cold as he ever, you know, ever has been, you know. And I think that you know we've gotten so used to Patrick Mahomes just being mm-hmm. so great. It's just like, yeah. oh yeah, that's Patrick Mahomes. No, no. That was, was out there balling. <laughs> you know, like that needs to be acknowledged. And he spanked the goat, you know. So I think that you know if, if those you know things remain in play, and I think that you know it definitely the pressure is on. The pressure is mm-hmm. on the books here for sure because yes. like the Falcons out here grinding head down, playing with the football, 
hey, we go defense gonna force some turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Like, did you hear what I just said? Right. Like, run the football. Defense gonna force some turnovers. Like, like it's automatic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, T, what, what's yes. going on here? Containment <laughs> on the outside. What is, what is this identity? Thing? Like, yes. I, wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that you know um, there is there are definitely some, some some things that the Falcons need to do for sure. But like mm-hmm. you said. Bucks, Bucks are the are are expected to win, and I think that the Falcons are okay being in that, being going along with that narrative. Indeed, they are playing with house money, and it's a beautiful thing to see. We can't wait to talk to you guys about it on Monday. But you know, it's interesting because sometimes there are players who go into a particular league or, or in a particular situation and everybody thinks, oh, that person is playing with house money, they got it made, but you never know what's going on behind the scenes that may be making that a little bit challenging. So in For the Culture, we're gonna talk a little bit about how one of those situations came full circle and how one league is coming full circle and how they want to extend their reach. We'll talk about it in For the Culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate that. We also really appreciate you for guys for getting us over 4,400 subscribers on YouTube. If you have not hit that like or subscribe button, what are you waiting on? Come on, man. Stop playing. Some greatness over here. We don't play around with that. We don't hide that on this show. But, T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. Sometimes we don't you know, we want to talk about that. That's just how we get down on this show today. It's no different. Now, we talked about a guy, you know, maybe having it easy going into a certain situation. We're talking about Matt Dumba. He is an NHL player, a defenseman, um, you know, of a mixed descent. You know, um, he has a uh, – <clears throat> so – you know, obviously, there are a lot of things that, you know, he's had to deal with when it, when it comes to racist chants, you know, even in mm-hmm. coming up, you know, playing hockey in Canada. And that was just something that he just had to really, um, really deal with. And I think he's kind of gotten to the point where, you know, hey, he wants to move forward in, in making uh, establishing initiatives. And he's done that, you know, to mm-hmm. try to promote diversity in the NHL because, yes. hey, they seem to be a little they're a little slow with it when it when it comes to doing that and i think that when you think about a guy like dumba and and, you know and being influenced by a movement a a name that will probably go down as probably one of the biggest names in establishing and starting a movement in today's world in the george floyd situation i think that t for matt dumba to do what he's doing for the nhl like these are the type of things that i i believe Will that that will start getting that conversation moved towards saying, "Hey, we don't no longer need these diversity and inclusion or um, 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 entities because we understand and what we understand and we know what we need in order to move forward and get to where we need to be." Right, and until that day, you're always going to need a Matt Dumb, but to just stand up and be that brave and be courageous like he has been, just like Bubba Wallace for NASCAR has yep. been very uh, brave and players uh, here like Miles Robinson speaking out for MLS. And it takes those kinds of players to really say, hey, I'm going to step out and I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. But it also takes individuals around them to support them and say, hey, I'm with you. So whether that whatever in whatever way, shape or form uh, that takes place. So I love the fact that we're actually having a conversation, Jarvis, about niche sports, about niche sports, raising their hand and acknowledging we have to do better because, yes, Mm -hmm. The NHL is 
infamous. When you look across that ice, you do not see a lot of people of color. And what they are still having to endure, some of those players, my good friend, her nephew, just got drafted. And he talked about that. Yeah, he spoke about that whole draft process, some of the assumptions that are made and some of the insinuations that are made for players of color, uh, some of the things that he had to endure as a black hockey player in college. So that struggle for them is very, very real compared to maybe you not hearing that struggle so much in maybe the NBA or the NFL. And to some degree, I'm going to lose that, use that term loosely, to some degree in MLB. So to see NHL acknowledge it and say, hey, we know we have to do better. And players like that stepping up and saying, I'm here to help you. NASCAR has quietly been doing it for a minute because they have programs like going to different schools, HBCUs among them, and saying, hey, do you want to be a part of our pit crew? Right. So that's the space where they are trying to figure out how to bring diversity in different areas, because at the end of the day, you can't be a winning racer if you do not have a top notch pit crew. And it's the same thing in NHL, whether it's your goalie or whether it's somebody on the line, doesn't matter. You have to have the top, the cream of the crop there, but you also have to have those people um, in the front office. So want to see them talk a little bit more about their diversity initiatives in terms of GMs and coaches, because you have to have a seat at the table in terms of making it really stick. But great place for them to start the conversation. Great place for Matt Dumba to be the one to start that conversation. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you mentioned the MLB and that they've put some efforts behind. But, you know, sometimes we may question, you know, like their initiatives and everything. But I think that. The thing that is the biggest key, and Dumbley even mentioned this is himself. Like he growing up, he had guys that he idolized, right? That he watched that looked like him. And yes. you know, for me here in Atlanta, growing growing up in Atlanta, I saw so many brothers out there playing make baseball, like Fred McGriff, Deion Sanders, Otis Nixon, David Justice. Like it was just so many of those guys. And mm-hmm. now here we are with Michael Harris. You know, sitting up here talking about, you know, being the, the catalyst for the Braves potentially going to win back to back World Series. That mm-hmm. stuff matters. It does. See guys that look like you or women or women or men that look like you playing mm-hmm. those particular sports. It just yes. matters so much. And I think that that's what guys like Mac Dumba stepping up to say something. He's going to be in. In a documentary that's supposed to be released yeah. Friday called Black Ice. I know I'm going to go check that wait. bad boy out. Yes. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to go check it out because I'm fascinated by hockey, period. Because, like you said, you know, we had two failed hockey teams, so I didn't get a chance to kind of get going. But, you know, hopefully another one comes around. But I do apologize, I Atlanta. Every time I come back, a hockey team leaves. So I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes. Tanisha, don't do that. Stop yeah. doing that, please. Don't ever leave. So we don't have to worry about that happening. Right. Here we go. Right. <laughs> Or, don't, or if you leave, don't come back. Right. You go, hockey stays. You said that, not me. <laughs> All right, one thing, one last thing uh, before we get out of here really quick. We want to talk about, um, no, about, you know, the father-son relationship between Sharif O'Neal and Shaquille O'Neal. And I think that that's something that I, like, it's kind of played out on television because, you know, when he made a decision to, you know, go into the NBA, obviously dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, um, mm-hmm. and being at UCLA and then transferring to LSU and, and still and just having a heart issue and almost yeah. to the point where he wasn't going to play basketball anymore. And then he decides to go into the NBA draft, goes undrafted, gets mm-hmm. the opportunity in uh, summer league with the Lakers. That didn't work out. But I think one of the things that really I thought was really cool when Sharif O'Neal was talking about how how his relationship with his pops got better with Shaq. Yes. You know, and I think like 
And I just think about my, my relationship with my dad about mm -hmm. like a big event in our lives happening. And then after that event, you know, it got better because when yeah. my mom passed away, my relationship with my pops evolved. Like it got mm -hmm. evolved and it got better. And I'm just like, I'm able to have conversations and stuff like that. So it's just, I like when I was reading about Sharif and Shaq, it just made me just, you know, go back to my personal, you know, experiences and it was like, yeah, that's how it's supposed to go. Yes, you know, <laughs> that's exactly how it is supposed to go. You're supposed to use those obstacles and those disagreements and seeing things from a different vantage point. You use them to come together and you got to give Shaq a world of credit because oftentimes in these situations, it's the older generation that kind of refuses to move away and get off the schneid. Uh. This way, exactly. <laughs> and you should not have come out and, you know, a college at that point and maybe even low key some fear. Because right. if your child had a heart issue that could have threatened his life, you weren't just you weren't just talking to him as a former basketball player saying, hey, I don't think you're ready yet. You're also thinking like a father and concerned about his overall health. So I totally get it for Shaq, right. but shout out to him for being able to be open, to listen mm -hmm. to what Sharif had to say and for them to be able to bridge that gap. And it honestly makes me want to watch Sharif a little bit more and kind of root for him and cheer him on. I've always cheered on Shaq because Loki met him a couple times and that's a really good dude. So I'm not yeah. surprised by it. Just proud of that guy to see him bridge that gap. And hopefully it's a message to fathers and sons out there about how you can find some common ground, even when you agree to disagree on a certain topic. So hopefully Speaking of agreeing, because Jarvis and I don't really disagree on what we want to talk about Monday, we're hoping it is a Falcons win. That's what we want to talk about. And of course, we'll talk a little bit more about Braves as they inch that much closer to the NLDS. Of course, UGA has a big rivalry game this weekend against Auburn. So we hope to debrief on a win. And Jarvis, might Georgia Tech get back-to-back -back wins for the first time since 2018? We shall see if they can pull it off against Duke. This weekend, we'll talk about all of that and anything else going on in the sports world here in Atlanta on Monday. But listen, you don't have to wait till Monday to check out Locked On Sports Atlanta. You can go to Amazon Fire, you can go to Roku, and you can check out every member of this wonderful, wonderful network here in Atlanta and check out all of what we have to offer you. But hey, if you want to kick it on YouTube, you can still do that with 4,400 other subscribers because we got the content you have been waiting for so listen if you're looking in the background you'll see it is an absolutely beautiful day go enjoy your weekend i know jarvis and i will see you monday i'll come back now you <laughs>